Welcome to another episode of My Alphabet Community. Um, so today I just wanted to do something different. I know I usually don't greet you. Um, that has been a very purposeful decision to... I don't know, I just wanted to get straight to it and get it all done. But today I'm going to officially say hello. I'm going to officially introduce myself. My name is Adalhard Nguenya. Um... That is who I am, and I hope that you've enjoyed the other two episodes. If this is your first episode, I hope that you enjoy this episode enough to go and check out my other two episodes, though I do admit that they're slightly different from this one. So today, I wanted to do something different. What did I want to do today? I wanted to take a look at something lighter. I wanted to look at seduction, and I wanted to look at sex. I wanted to look at aphrodisiacs. Now, just to give you a little bit of a backstory of how I came to this uh, decision to discuss this today. Um, so a few months ago, I've been dating this boy for like four years now. We've been dating for a very long time. And a few months ago, I begin to notice that our relationship isn't going as planned, you know. It's it's It seems as though something is a bit off. And over time, I begin to discover that he is seeing other people and that he is, in fact, seeing this one particular other boy who it seems to be a little bit more serious. So, you know, I'd been noticing this for a while and I chose not to do anything at the time simply because I was too busy at that time and... I don't know. I suppose I found I wasn't ready to deal with all that, you know, but I also wasn't ready to let go of the relationship just yet. You know, if you know me well, you will know that sometimes I can be a little bit determined, probably more determined than I should be. And so when I discovered that this relationship with this particular individual was becoming serious and that, in fact, he had confided to a mutual friend that he was considering ending our relationship so that he can finally be in a relationship with this other boy, that was when I decided I have to take matters into my own hands. I need to respond to this in some way, you know. And I responded in a way that probably is frowned upon if in the area from which I come from. So I am a Botswana. I live in Botswana. I'm about to leave Botswana to go to school in the United States. That's one thing. But, you know, I do live in Botswana and where I come from, traditional healing, you know, traditional spiritual systems, traditional religion, things like that, sort of uh, something similar to, not similar, but I imagine if you're a foreigner, you might think of it as voodoo, you know, something of that sort, you know, traditional methods, traditional ways of healing are frowned upon. Many people see them now as being something that is demonic, something that is witchcraft, something that is devil worshipping. I don't know what they think of it, which is somewhat curious, you know. I don't have the same view. And, you know, I look at it this way. Before Christianity was introduced, 
you know, in this part of the world, before the missionaries came, you know, before colonization left its legacy, its most important legacy, which is Christianity, there was a time when there was no other alternative, where traditional healers, traditional shamans were people who were very important to the community. They served various roles, political roles, economic roles. They served, they were the psychologists, they were the marriage counselors, they were the herbalists, they were the massage massage therapists. They were all kinds of things, you know, playing all kinds of roles, being the well pool, you know, of knowledge, of the culture's knowledge, being the preserver of the culture's rituals and the culture's belief systems and the culture's faiths and the culture's, you know, um, important information and the tribe's secret things. These are people who were the custodians of culture. But nowadays, they're seen to be devil worshippers. They're seen to be people who you can't approach. They're seen to be, you know, all kinds of bad things. I don't have that same view. Well, partly because I went through my own initiation into the spiritual arts, even though I don't consider myself a traditional healer. You know, nowadays, when people go to initiation, the moment they come out of initiation, straightforward, they're healers. I think there's something missing there because I think the way things were done was initiation was only the first step. You would still need to go through years of apprenticeship, years of learning for you to be considered um, a, a practicing shaman, a practicing healer, you know, a practicing herbalist, a practicing diviner. You needed to go through a long period of apprenticeship, decades, years, many, many years, so that the people who were practicing healers, the people who were dingaka is what we call them in Sotswana, these were people who were older, you know, uh, older men, sometimes older women, you know. I know with women, because of the patriarchy, there is often this idea that when you have a woman who is a healer, you know, she's a witch. But that's not always the way things have been. Older women were people who had a lot of wisdom, you know, and they could, their wisdom could be used. So I don't have that same view. When I have a problem, I sometimes, not all the time, very rarely, sometimes I do consider what would, what advice would I get from a traditional healer? You know, if I have a minor ailment, like, you know, I, I'm suffering from a migraine or something, I would recommend just go to a traditional healer, get something, you know, let it be. Not everything has to be solved through Western medicine. There's nothing wrong with Western medicine. I'm just saying that there are other alternatives. And so I do. So when this boy, um, when I heard the the shenanigans that this boy had been up to and that he was planning to, you know, break up with me, I decided I wasn't having any part of it. I wasn't going to hear it. So I went to a healer, you know, to say, I need the strongest love potion you can come up with. I need you to give me a love potion. I need him to fall madly in love with me. Now, unfortunately, this particular healer didn't engage in things like love potions you know he said no i don't do love potions but there was a lot of tips and there were a lot of well, what 
things that I was given, and these things I think are what would be called aphrodisiacs. The, 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 the whole point of them, the whole purpose when I was given these different things was to say these are going to enhance the passion in the bedroom. And so I took them and I said, all right, let's see if they will work. And by God, they worked. They worked wonders. Now, the relationship ultimately didn't work, but because I became the problem, you know, uh, everything, uh, the fire in the bedroom was reignited, you know, the passion that we first started off with was reignited. But then I suppose a part of me felt manipulative. I felt like what I was doing was unethical. Um, I was open and frank when I was speaking to him to say that I feel like we, our passion has been dying off and I would like to try little, I'd like to try different things in the bedroom, you know, that's the way I framed it. So I wasn't completely honest, but I was honest to say, I want to try these things. They, they're said to be aphrodisiacs. Can we try them? And he gave us consent because I believe if you're going to be using things that involve chemicals, you know, if you're going to be ingesting certain things, certain foods, you know, you need the uh, consent of the person, unless you're 100% sure that this particular food that you want to try out, because mainly it's food and herbs, this particular herb that you want to try out is safe. But, you know, you can never really be sure. So for me, I, I needed to get consent, and I did, although I wasn't completely honest when I was getting that consent to say, I'm mainly doing this to hook you, you know. So he, he was hooked, but I felt manipulative. I hated that I had to go through that. I hated that I had to be at that point and at some point, I just decided, you know, this cannot go on. So I called things off. I broke up with him. I'm a terrible human being. I know you don't need to tell me. But the, on the good side, on the flip side, I got to learn about a few aphrodisiacs, about a few things which I'm going to be sharing with you today. So that's a good thing. That's something to which you can thank this boy. So let's get to it. So the foods that I'm going to be talking about are exactly that, they're foods. Only one of these uh, is not food, and that is the and that is Litsoku, the title piece of this episode. So I'm going to begin by talking about Mopani worm, which is a very common uh, food here in this part of the world. What I didn't know, because it was so common, was that it could also be used as an aphrodisiac, that it does in fact have aphrodisiac properties. I ate it for a very long time, even as a child, I used to eat it. And of course, I never noticed that there was anything particularly different until, of course, I was given, I was, you know, uh, prescribed, if you will, this particular food and given instructions on how and when to eat it to get the best results. And I'm telling you, it is amazing. So this is Mopani worm. It's an edible caterpillar. It's an insect. It grows, uh, it usually comes out during the summer season. Uh, it's not all year round that it is available. So during the summer season, and this is November to December, that is when this particular insect can then be seen. Um, it's 
it comes out and it, its name comes from the tree in which it grows in. So it grows on the Mopani tree. It feeds on the Mopani tree and hence the name Mopani worm. Everyone here, of course, calls it Pani. We don't go the full way of calling it Mopani worm. We just call it Pani. Um, it's an amazing, amazing fruit, usually harvested by the women and children I know. I used to harvest it a lot. Um, you would just, you hold it. It's like a worm. It is a worm. Well, not a worm, but it's like a worm in terms of before it goes through the metamorphosis. And you basically just take it, you tip it from the tail end, uh, from the head end to rupture the innards. And then you just, you know, you squeeze tight to get all the juices, you know, all the insides insides out of the body you know once you've gotten all the insides out of the body and you're left with only the flesh uh, you leave it out to dry usually it's dried using salt um, it can also be smoked and in fact that's what I'm going to be talking about it's smoked the way it was given to me was in its smoked form the smoking and the salting is to preserve it once you have smoked it and salted it uh, you then put it out and let it to dry you know you let it to dry and that's the way you preserve it um you 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 use quite if you're going to be using salt to preserve it you use a lot of salt to preserve it and then it can later on be cooked with uh tomatoes you can make stew with it tomatoes onions all of that spices if you will whatever kind of spice that you're going to add um, that's the way it's usually done so the way that I did it the way that I was instructed to do it the way that it was done for me because even though I was instructed to do it I didn't do it myself I smoked it I had it smoked and after smoking it, I had it ground. And the whole point of grinding it is so that it can be mixed with a spice. Now, I'll get to the spice later. It's a particular kind of spice. I don't know to call it a spice or a powder or an herb. I don't know what, this, what the difference is. Well, I kind of did a little bit of a Google thing just a few minutes ago. But, you know, just a few minutes ago, I still am not quite sure about the difference. As I understand it, a, an herb is a leaf. A spice is any other part of the plant that isn't the green leaf, then that is an, a spice, and an herb is the leafy part of it. In any case, the Smopani worm, uh, which is amazing, it's smoked first. Once you smoke it, after smoking it and drying it, you then crush it. The whole point of crushing it is to turn it into a fine powder. Now, you can also eat it fully. That doesn't matter. The whole point of crushing it now is so that you can mix it later on with another, uh, and this is where the with another plant that is called monamani. Monamani is a plant that's... Um, it's also an edible plant, uh, but it's not eaten. It's usually used uh, traditionally. I know from my own initiation that it's used for uh, meditation, for for medicinal purposes. That's what it's used for. It's mixed with um, the roots of another plant in order to, for example, if you're having menstrual pains. I think that's what it's used most for, for menstrual pains or for other menstrual problems. So if you the menstrual cycle, if there are complications with the menstrual cycle or the very intense pains, this particular tree, Monamani, is the one that's going to be used. And it's also the one that's used, that's, you know, used as an Afrodisiac. 
in small quantities. So it's used to make a spice. And as you know, spices are things that you use. You don't use spices in large quantities. You use them in very small quantities, both because they tend to have a rich flavor. And this one does, although the flavor is very bitter. It has a very strong, bitter sort of, you know, because, you know, the roots... So the, what you're going to be using, the part that you're going to be using for Manamani are the roots. Uh, the roots are very, very hard. They're very, very tough. The grinding is, you know, intense. It's really, really intense. So when you take out the roots, firstly, the fresh roots often have this red, sticky sap just pouring out of it, oozing out of it. And it's also used actually so once you dried the roots you pound them you pound them you grind them into a fine spice into a very fine powder it is this powder that you then mix with the mopani worm or or an alternative is you can just cook the smoked mopani worm this it has to be smoked that's an important thing when it's smoked after it's smoked uh you can you add this monamani as a spice to the cooked mopani worm or you can grind the mopani worm into a powder and then mix it with monamani to make another spice which you can then add to meat or to vegetables or to whatever now if it's probably very difficult if you don't know what pani is because it has a very rich earthy soily smell you know it's it's it's, it's it has a very rich smell that is amazing mopani if you know mopani you will know that it smells really really good and so even if you add it to like meat or to vegetables it gives a very lovely flavor to it so it's an aphrodisiac but it tastes good as well it tastes amazing so you're going to enjoy both a proper dinner and a proper night in bed and that for me is like a plus you know not only do i have an amazing dinner with this amazing flavored property i also have to, i also get to have amazing sex you know so you do that uh, you you take monamani you take the root of the monamani tree um you can um take out the red sticky sap and use it for other things for example if you're going to if you have um, and this is also for the seeds. The manamani tree is very useful. If you take the seeds and the red sticky sap, they can be used to treat things like fevers or if you have a stomach ache or if you have certain pains, you know, that are mild pains, mild back pains, leg pains, whatever. If you use that, if you drink it with your tea, for example, it's going to be excellent at uh, alleviating the pain. But you can also keep the red sticky sap. It doesn't really matter. You you want the root to be dried. Once it's dried, you have to crush it. It's a very difficult root to crush. Once you've crushed it into a very fine powder, you can then mix it with the pani. And you can apply it uh, to any food that you eat. And really, that's it. It's amazing. The results are amazing. I know you will think that the results are not amazing, but the results are really, really amazing. You understand? Um, it's not something that I noticed until I tried it. And I, I did realize it. And you know what? Here's the thing. With what I noticed when using it is the cumulative effect is what really matters. So first day, first day, it was really amazing. You know, after eating, we felt very hot and flushed, you know. But 
after you know a few days then it was the, the the sexual feelings started coming on very strong it's still the same sort of i feel hot i feel flushed but now it's mixed in with a sort of I don't know. So it, it feels good. Now the sexual desire is really there. So for the first day, it, it might not be as noticeable that there is a sexual desire, maybe even the second day, the third day. But once you go into the fifth or the sixth or the seventh day, you will really get to see that it's actually working. You know, the cumulative effect, the, the cumulative effect is amazing. You know, it's actually really, really amazing. Sexual desire skyrockets. And also, um, it, it, just the amount of time that you're able to last in bed is also amazing. You know, you 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 can spend a really long time in bed. Um, I'm not quite sure about the effect on women, seeing that it worked for me and for my partner, both men. So I don't know. I'm not quite sure how it feels. I know it works, you know, because that's what I've been told. It works for either women or men. It works just the same. Just that I don't know how it feels, you know, the the, the the feeling is what, but really just for me, you know, you feel a little bit hot, you feel a little bit flushed, you know, the way spices are meant to work. The only difference is you may feel uh, this feeling of, I want to say relaxation at the same time as hotness, just give me a moment to get my thoughts together. I realize that I've been pronouncing the word monamani wrongly. You see, I've been saying monamani, and that's a very, very wrong. Actually, what I'm doing is I am not recording all of this to the end because I'm using my phone to record and the quality of the recording is not very good. And sometimes I tend to get ahead of myself and then I start talking too freely and there's a lot of air going in and it's responsible for the annoying poor sound, you know. So what I do is I'm recording it just little by little and then listening to recording to make sure that it's fine. If it's not fine, I redo it if I'm too tired because I've been redoing it a lot. And, you know, I just end up leaving the whole thing. Um, I should probably get some gear for this. The thing is, I'm not even sure that this is going to be like a proper, proper. I, 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 I'm hesitant about investing in proper gear for a podcast or even investing proper, proper time for a podcast for the simple fact that I'm not sure this is going to get a an audience. In any case, uh, I realize that I've been pronouncing the word monamani wrong. It's exactly as I'm pronouncing it now, monamani, monamani. I've been saying monamani, which is, I mean, if you might not realize it if you don't speak Sitsana that my pronunciation was wrong, but if you speak Sitsana, you're going to realize just how wrong I was. I think it's because of English, you know, when I'm speaking English, when I transition to Sotswana, it's kind of, I ruin a few words. Do forgive me for that. It's monamani, monamani, not monamani. In any case, with monamani, what you do also, I forgot to mention it is, actually, I didn't forget I'm mentioning it now. What you do is, after you have grounded, you know, after you've sun dried it and you've ground it and now you have your powder what this powder you do with this powder is you can boil it in traditional beer you know if you want to get it remember you, you've mixed it with your pani and sometimes if you don't want to mix it with your pani you can cook your pani um 
separately without having ground it. What you do with monamani is you put it in traditional beer, traditional sorghum beer, and you boil it in traditional sorghum beer. When you boil it in traditional sorghum beer, the beer can then be consumed. That way you have the added effect of a little bit of alcohol in your system to just, you know, drive a little bit of the disinhibitions away. The good thing about beer is that the alcohol content, especially traditional beer, the alcohol content is very low. So you need to consume a lot of beer in order to be intoxicated and the idea here is not to be intoxicated so you can have a little bit of alcohol with in your system while still be able to you know perform in bed the problem with alcohol is once you are too intoxicated it gets you all horny and stuff but when you have to perform in bed performance kills you so with manaman you can put in traditional i put it in traditional sokken beer which is very very simple to make i mean it's the simplest beer in my opinion to make i did a lot of it during the covid time and when i made this for my boyfriend again it was during the covid time which was good because at that time our government was putting lots of restrictions on us restrictions telling us that you know we can't get beer and whatever and so i was able to do this and i think that's also part of the fun of it you see i think sometimes when people approach sex and matters involving sex it's sort of very very mechanical uh for me part of the fun and also for my boyfriend part of the fun was just uh in making the beer itself the theater of it all so when we're making traditional beer together and as i was putting the monamani in um that just the fun of the theater of it all you know the theater of this is what we're doing and this is what it's going to do that also adds to i think the pleasure that you get later on in bed you know it becomes a process uh i i think that's one big thing that if you don't have these kinds of aphrodisiacs really i think the big thing is just to say you know what sex is this beautiful thing that we can prepare for sex is this beautiful thing that we can add theater to you know that we can add ritual to that we can um in the long you know long before we begin engaging in the intercourse we can already begin having fun because of it and so things like making traditional beer so you put the monamani in there and you boil it in there now i'm very self conscious about monamani i monamani my god i don't know why i keep on doing that anyways yes so you put it in the beer you boil it and you can drink the beer you know and it's a lovely beer i don't know if you can make your own beer based on what's available to you you know the good thing about beer is that you can make it with literally anything so if you've got you know some root beer or whatever or whatever i'm not quite sure about heavy alcohol things like vodka and whatever i think that's a little bit you know just put it in beer and with traditional beer so i was making traditional beer in my kitchen and i realized that um the flavor was a bit off so i'm used to making traditional beer outside the traditional way you know the the, the way it was made the way i was taught to make it um and when i made it in the kitchen 
because I couldn't make it outside, it was simply impossible to do so at the time, I realized that a part of the flavor was missing, you know, it was just missing flavor. And I think the, the smoke is what gave it its flavor. So th that's something to think about, you know, you can, if you can, just smoke it outside to give it a little bit of lovely burning flavor, you know. Everything is beautiful when it's given a smoke flavor. It's a I think smoking uh, is a delicious way of cooking or making anything. It's just delicious. And, you know, it takes a long time. So also the ceremony of it all, the theater of it all, you'll probably guess that I'm a big fan of theater. So that's what you do with Monamani. But before I get, before I got to Monamani, I was talking about the feeling. I was trying to describe the feeling that you get after you take this mixture of Monamani and Pani. And really, it's just this hot, flushed feeling and a kind of mellow feeling, you know, a kind of relaxed feeling. You know, the kind of feeling that you would get when you've taken marijuana, but at a far lesser degree than that. It's not as strong as the heavy high that you get from marijuana, you know, when you've eaten space cakes. No, no, no. It's not as heavy as that, but it's a kind of relaxed, mellow feeling. It's, it's, it's slight, you know, it's there. I suppose you could take it when you go and take a bath, for example, although I, because, you know, you're hot and also, oh yes, some of the side effects. Um, so we were sweating also quite a little bit, which is a bit disgusting until you look at what we're trying to do, you know, we're trying to engage in intimacy and disgusting as it may be, there was also a kind of rush and desire to the sweat as well, you know. So it's a side effect, but not necessarily a bad side effect. So this is uh, what you can do with monamani and pani. That's the simple recipe. These are the two simple foods. Well, one is a food and the other is a, a spice that is used for medicinal purposes oftentimes. And that's what you do, hey? Now, so I could continue. Um, you may have noticed that I have a lot to say, but I've decided against it. Um, I told myself that I wouldn't make very long episodes. So this is meant to be a daily podcast every single day. And so I'm thinking it cannot exceed more than, you know, 30 minutes at the most. Um, 40 minutes, and I think this one has already ex ex exceeded 30 minutes. So I'm going to stop here, and I will add more to this tomorrow. This is one idea. So the title of this episode is Litsoku, a traditional, the traditional woman's guide to beauty and sex. And really what I wanted to do for the next coming episodes is focus less on issues, you know, little, I mean, you know, now and then if I find something interesting, an interesting article, or if I think about something interesting, I'll post it, I'll put it on the podcast. But really, I want to dedicate the next coming episodes, I think about 10 episodes, to looking at what is there indigenously and, you know, indigenous methods, indigenous ways, indigenous whatever, and showing how these can be used in contemporary 
culture, in today's culture, how we can use them, you know. So I don't know if I've told you this, but I myself have been an initiate into this in the spiritual arts. So I've been initiated into the spiritual arts and I've done a little bit, not a lot of it, a little bit of apprenticeship. And, you know, just looking at some of the advice that are given to couples and the rituals that couples are said to do are instructed to perform the rituals that they're instructed to perform to enhance their intimacy and how these couples swear that these rituals work i want to share a little bit of that in this podcast and so that's what i'm going to be focusing on for the next coming episodes just sharing uh the the the, the rituals that I have learned, you know, and just talking about that. So um, with the particular teacher that I was following, um, a lot of the times she would provide a lot of information on certain rituals, how to perform those rituals, when to perform those rituals. And I think that that information is very, very useful, you know, and I like to think of it somehow as ritual theatre. I've already talked about theatre a lot in this episode, but I think, you know, part of the problem with sex nowadays is that there's so much that's being done, so many kinks, but it's all done in a way that is, you know, I, I don't know, it's so unromantic. It's de-romanticised if that's a word, you know? And so for me, part of adding the romance to it is adding the spirituality to it. You know, sex has always been something that has been seen as very spiritual and that somehow added to its aura, to its romantic, mysterious aura. And the next coming episodes is just a way of encouraging you to add the ritual. And this is ritual that you decide on. It's your own personal ritual. Um, you, you will see what I'm talking about. Um, to adding the ritual to uh, the intimate life. And anyways, I'll talk about that later. I'm already tired. I need to go and drink tea for now. Thank you for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed this enough to join me for the next coming episodes. Mwah.